Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. It's the hope that kills you. Yep. Welcome, everyone, to the Ultimate NBA Season Preview Podcast presented by Odyssey and the Locked On Podcast Network. Our local experts covering every team are here to help you get ready for the NBA season. This week, we've been visiting five groups of teams that we have dubbed the Contenders, the Tankers, the Debatables, the Teams on the Rise, and the Playoff Hopefuls. Today, we're going to take a deep dive into the Playoff Hopefuls, a group of Eastern Conference teams with very different goals that span the play-in tournament all the way to an Eastern Conference Finals return. The Atlanta Hawks, the Boston Celtics, the New York Knicks, the Chicago Bulls, the Indiana Pacers, and the Washington Wizards. So, let's start it all off by hearing from our Odyssey expert, Brian Scalabrini, the White Mamba himself, on the Atlanta Hawks. And we'll hear from Carl Dukes from WZGC in Atlanta before getting into our Lockdown Roundtable. What are... My expectations for this group, the Atlanta Hawks, Boston Celtics, New York Knicks, Chicago Bulls, Indiana Pacers, and Washington Wizards. All right, let's start first with the Atlanta Hawks. Love what they did last year. I think that it's a little bit different having a target on your back all year long. But remember, they were phenomenal with Nate McMillan. Trey Young made sacrifices throughout the regular season to get everyone else involved. He did it in the playoffs, and he had his moments where he was absolutely spectacular. So Atlanta has what you call the magic formula, lightning in a bottle, but it's sustaining. If they remain healthy, which is a big part of of all these previews, if they remain healthy, they have enough rim protection. They play a certain style. They take away the three. They shoot the three. They have enough enough guys to attack the rim. I think Atlanta Hawks are going to be... A, if not a home court advantage team, right there. So anywhere between four, five, and six. I would be surprised if they're in the play-in game. I think that they'll be okay before that. So I got Atlanta. And whether they win that matchup or not, it will determine on this. If you watch preseason right now, the referees are allowing more contact. I don't know how that affects Trey Young. I know it won't be like it was last year where he dribbles left, snaps his head back, and goes to the free throw line. So... If Trey Young is anywhere where he was last year, not necessarily during the playoffs, but regular season, if he's anywhere close to that, like he'll, the Atlanta Hawks will be a home court advantage team. If the physicality bothers him, then I think they're going to be right at that sixth seed, and then they're going to have a dog fight of the series, whether that's with the Boston Celtics at three, 
that could be the Miami Heat. That could be, I can't imagine Brooklyn or Milwaukee finishing lower than that, but could be a, 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 a pretty tough series in that first round. So I got the Atlanta Hawks. I got to just watch how Trey Young is going to be officiated. And if he gets calls, then they'll be fine. What about the Hawks makes them an exciting team this season? Two words, Trey Young. The young guard averaged over 30 points and 10 assists in the NBA playoffs last year while putting on a show at Madison Square Garden as disposing of the Knicks and taking a bow center court to say thank you. It was the Hawks coming out party and Trey Young's signature moment. But how much better will Young be this year? And will he get the MVP buzz that he deserves coming off of an incredible NBA playoff run? The development of DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish coming off of injuries last season is really the key for the Hawks this year. The Hawks were still able to get to the Eastern Conference Finals despite not having Hunter or Reddish. Hunter was the Hawks' best player for the first 19 games before tearing his meniscus and missing the rest of the regular season. He is their best individual defender. He can create off the dribble and has the potential to be a multi-time All-Star and become another star alongside Trey Young on this Young Hawks team. Cam Reddish has been dealing with injuries since he was drafted, but has shown flashes of his ability, especially late in the playoffs last year versus the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. John Collins signed a five-year, $125 million deal in the offseason as he continues to improve his shot from beyond the arc, his rebounding, and defense. Speaking of defense, Clint Capella may be the best defensive center in the NBA. And you add veterans like Danilo Gallinari and Bogdan Bogdanovich, these Hawks are ready to fly. Last season, the Hawks started 14-20 and 20 before firing Lloyd Pierce and making way for Nate McMillan, who turned the Hawks into contenders that they were destined to become. The Hawks went 27-11 and 11 down the stretch and won two playoff series without home court advantage. It would be foolish to think that this young Hawks team doesn't get better, their star doesn't get better, and the Hawks are not a force in the upcoming NBA season. All right, welcome to the Locked On Ultimate Season Preview. This is the Hopefuls edition, the bunch of teams that don't feel like we belong here, we belong somewhere else. It's like Shawshank Redemption. We're all the the new fish in this this category. This is a uh, category that includes my Boston Celtics, Indiana Pacers, Atlanta Hawks, Chicago Bulls, New York Knicks, and the Washington Wizards somehow. Uh, get a razz news guy. Uh, let's go around the horn here and introduce the lockdown local experts covering each one of these teams. Let's start with Tony, who covers the Pacers. I'm Tony East. I cover the Indiana Pacers here in Indianapolis for Forbes Sports and the West Side Community News. Looking forward to seeing how Rick Carlisle can change the fortunes of this franchise. Now we got Brad covering the Hawks. Yeah, as he said, I am Brad Rowland. I write for Diamond Uprocks and uh, host the Lockdown Hawks podcast. Been covering the team for quite some time, and it's going to be a big year. And as John said, I have no idea why I'm on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Matt. Matt Peck here from Locked on Bulls. Uh, kick it over to the team who Bulls fans have been fighting with on Twitter all summer long <laughs> about which one is real and which one isn't. What's going on there in Nick's world? Oh, hey there, buddy. I am Alex Wolf. Uh, I'm, I co-host Locked on Knicks, obviously, uh, editor-in-chief of the Strickland uh, Independent Knicks website, and I'm going to be covering the team for Clutch Points this year, uh, going to the Garden and doing all that stuff. And we have the newest addition to our Locked on family, Diolante with the Wizards. 
Yes, I'm Deontay Daniels. I cover the Washington Wizards for Locked On Wizards. We got a new head coach, Wes Unsell Jr., a new point guard in Spencer Dinwiddie, and no more Russell Westbrook. So who knows what's <laughs> going to happen with the Wizards this year? He says no more Russell Westbrook with a giant smile on his face. I'm John Corrales, <laughs> Locked On Celtics, Locked On NBA on Wednesdays. I uh, cover the Boston Celtics for Boston Sports Journal. All right, fellas, we're going to talk about our team's expectations. And I think one of the things that is consistent, why we are in this group, is that our expectations are kind of all over the place. Our high ends, our low ends are pretty wide. And if everything goes great for all of our teams, then, hey, maybe we got something here. If they don't, then, mm, uh, I don't know. Uh, let, let's, Tony, you, I mean, everybody here is like dealing with something new with their teams. Tony, you, you, I'm higher on the Pacers. You know, your expectations and people's expectations for the Pacers are all over the place. I do think Rick Carlisle can make a difference. They're a very hard team's expectations to nail down. They have a really similar roster to the one they had two seasons ago that was on a, over a 50-win pace before the bubble-shortened season took place, and so that makes some people optimistic that that team can be really good again. But last year, they were terrible. They were under 500. They lost in the playing tournament to the Wizards, who we'll talk to later, and they have the same roster as that team too, right? So how much can coaching get this team back to the team they were two years ago versus last year is a really big factor in defining expectations for this Pacers team. Rick Carlisle, obviously championship pedigree, has done very well for himself in Dallas, Indiana, Detroit throughout his career as a head coach. But can he get this team to be where they were a couple years ago? Uh, that's going to define their expectations. Right now, a lot of uh, betting sites have them around 42 and a half, 43 and a half as their line. That seems about right because even though they have the same roster as the team they had a couple years ago, that was very talented. The East got a lot better. So seeing how how good they can be is hard, hard to say. They already have two key starters injured. So where the Pacers land might depend on how good Rick Carlisle can do uh, in a new place and how much injuries really can derail their season again. And look, I think let, let's let's pay some deference to the teams that had breakout seasons last year. And, you know, the Eastern Conference finalists who come, come in with, you know, th there's, a, there's kind of like a, another show-me season here. Knicks and Hawks are, are fascinating teams in the East because you, you're building on something, but it's hard to say what direct. There's so many questions here. So let's start, Brad, with, with your Hawks. You, you made this, this run, and I think the big question here when we look at your expectations is, was, was that real? Yeah, and I'm actually kind of surprised that the baseline doesn't rise too high. Like, I was expecting some of the more strong reactions nationally. Like, usually, you have this breakout team, you have this young team, you have a superstar in Trey Young, and it's like, all right, people are going to be picking the Hawks now to do things this next season. And that kind of just didn't happen. It's kind of like everyone kind of went the other way and expected them to go back to you know a more modest performance and I, I kind of get it I was prepared to kind of push back again and said now I think I'm almost higher on the Hawks than everybody else is supposed to be because they had some adversity along the way I mean people didn't really watch them last year and I, I know that deep down inside uh, until last until the end of the season and they got hot but they were also banged up and had some injuries in the playoffs and all that stuff so I'm not really sure what to make of it but I do think that um, just the mere presence of the Hawks in this in this conversation is going to anger Hawks fans, just because they're all they're all ready to tell you that that they're going back to the conference finals and more. So we'll see. Right, expectations all over the place. Expectations in New York, kind of all over. You you had some upgrades 
but also questions about the upgrades when it comes to Tom Thibodeau's defensive mentality there, Alex. Yeah, I don't – so I, I assume you're talking about Kemba Walker and the obvious limitations. Me, the Boston guy? No. Yeah, <laughs> the obvious limitations that you're intimately familiar with that he has on defense. <laughs> um, I think I think that's been a little overstated. I think the Tibbs' scheme is more designed to funnel people into the middle, and at least at this stage of how he coaches basketball. And, you know, the Knicks have good personnel for that. I mean, I sort of – just like Brad, I, I think that the – the Knicks have been sort of underrated by the the national conversation at this point. I think, I mean, I'd be lying if I didn't buy into the uh, tinfoil hat theory that much of like national media wants the Knicks to be bad again because it's entertaining from a national perspective when the Knicks are bad. Um, and I totally well, get hold that. On. I thought the <laughs> NBA was better when the Knicks are good. Isn't that the line that we've always been fed? That's How can you possibly in New York be like, no, people want us to be bad? I think that people, I think that like the ESPNs of the world enjoy their Knicks content <laughs> and being able to laugh at things. And, you know, that's kind of gone away. And you've seen that, you know, some of these lists and whatever people saying, oh, they're going to regress so much, blah, blah, blah. Not taking into, into consideration the fact that this team upgraded their two starting guard spots like significantly. I mean, I don't, I don't think that it was insignificant to add Kemba Walker instead of Alfred Payton who was an offensive and defensive beyond zero last year. I mean, Alfred Payton was really bad on both ends of the ball, uh, nearly unplayable, and yet still was drawing starts and playing, you know, at minimum 15 or so minutes per game, which just was kind of inexcusable at a certain point. Um, Evan Fournier over Reggie Bullock, who can shoot just as well as Bullock could, but uh, can actually put the ball on the floor and, and dribble some and all that, which is a huge issue against the Hawks in the playoffs. Like, I think that, you know, you're now looking at a team that has four out of the five players in the starting lineup that can shoot the basketball. And, you know, we've seen that in the first two preseason games where they're being really respected from the three-point line and they're shooting a lot of threes. So from a Knicks fan perspective, this team gives me a lot of vibes as like the 2012 to 13 team, which also shot tons of threes and was just full of good shooters and good veterans and was really deep from top to bottom, which allowed them to absorb injuries and stuff like that. I feel like this team has, has a lot of those same characteristics. So I don't want to say that the Knicks are going to surprise people. It shouldn't be surprising that a team that was the number four seed last year, even if it was only by a couple games, uh, if they end up a top four to six seed again, but that's, that's about where I'm setting my expectations again this year is about the four to six seed. So we've got, three four of us now that expect our teams to be the fourth seed so that's we're gonna we're gonna see if we can make this a six-way tie uh we're gonna save the wizards for last i gotta go to chicago not because you're the new guy diolante <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we uh I, we got to talk about chicago because they've added a bunch of talent but the the and we have a biggest question mark later on but it also fuels the expectations. Does this this talent work together, Matt? Uh, yes, it does. And I won't jump into the no, we're the four seed bandwagon because we're clearly going to be the three seed, right? Like <laughs> Miami Heat. Uh, sure, I'm I'm mostly kidding there. But obviously, not only with the arrivals of players like Lonzo Ball, Demar Derozan, um, but the fact that. In the midseason trade last year, you know, the Bulls made that big swing to get uh, Nikola Vucevic away from Orlando. He and Zach Levine only had a couple of games together, uh, and it was on a very daunting, difficult West Coast road trip. 
And then Zach goes out in health and safety protocols. So even Vooch, who played here half of a season, is still building chemistry with all of these guys. Save for Zach Levine and Kobe White, this Bulls roster for 21-22 is completely different than the roster that started the 2021 season. That's how much overhaul there was. But in our early first glimpses in preseason, the people worried about whether or not these pieces would fit together. I don't know what they were worrying about. Because you know what Zach Levine loves to do and is really efficient doing? Being a lethal scoring threat off the ball. And with the arrival of all of these other players, the ball handling and playmaking burden has been lifted off of Zach Levine's shoulders. And fine, DeMar DeRozan, there was a stretch in their, their third preseason game against Cleveland where nobody was really hitting shots. So just get the ball to DeMar, let him go ISO, let him get to the free throw line and do what he does. In transition, let Lonzo be that guy to find open shooters. Vooch is an underrated passer and playmaker as far as big men go. Um, the offense has been really humming. And then the other part, of course, is people doubting, well, can they guard anybody? Can they play any defense? Namely because there's been a lazy narrative over the last handful of years of both of their careers that Levine and DeMar are both substandard defensive players. And that's not entirely inaccurate. They are. But they added great defensive talent with Lonzo and Alex Caruso. And some of these other fringe guys that they got got Derek Jones Jr. in that three-way trade uh some of these other like Johnson's been playing really well in preseason they are a little undersized but they have length everywhere so the big question I think for me is can they stay engaged on the defensive end against greater offensive uh challenges throughout the season so let's get to the Wizards who actually were part of the you know the biggest storyline or arguably of the offseason the trade of Westbrook to the Lakers and and getting back a, a haul of interesting players in the in the interest of keeping Bradley Beal. And, you know, I, th I think there's an interesting scenario to see how that works out there. Diolante, what, what do you think? What are the expectations there in Washington? I think the expectations, if things were to go really, really well, I think maybe fighting for that sixth seed, I'm not going to be unrealistic and say something like the four for fifth seed or anything like that. Hopefully fighting for the sixth seed. Sixth seed. But seventh to eighth range is kind of where I expect the Wizards to end up. I think Tommy Shepard did a magnificent job in the offseason. I feel like the Wizards had a very underrated offseason, especially when you go from a contract like John Wall, a guy who I love, um, to Russell Westbrook, another contract, and to get off of those two big contracts and to get a multitude of assets. You get Montrez Harrell, Kuzma, Caldwell Pope, Aaron Holiday, a bunch of guys where the Wizards last season were putting – Isak Bonga out on the court and Maurice Wagner out on the court. Guys who on contending teams probably aren't getting playing time. And they were getting legitimate minutes for the Washington Wizards. Now you replace them with guys I just named, legitimate NBA mid-tier caliber players who can improve the depth. And the Wizards have done a great job at improving the depth. They've got better with shooting with Kispert. And they got better shooting, of course, when you have Davies Bertans there, Bradley Bill, who's a three-level scorer. Spencer Dinwiddie, he's not, you know, an elite shooter or anything like that, but he can shoot the three ball. So I feel like the Wizards have done a really good job improving the depth, improving the team from last year. I still think playing is their, you know, max right now. Okay. And and quickly for Boston, uh, the Celtics, I think the expectations are, are pretty high in Boston, uh, obviously with Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown. Uh, I think those two guys can really carry a huge load. Jason Tatum, I'm expecting to take uh, a, a decent size step forward because uh, Emi Odoka is stressing uh, ball movements, uh, 
really fast paced play. And, and just in the couple of preseason games that we've seen so far, as we record this, I really have seen Tatum kind of push, push the ball. And I think he can, he can end up getting a few triple doubles this season that, that can really make his case. Uh, but the, the real questions for the Celtics is shooting. I think we're, the Celtics can be held back by uh, if, if it takes too long for them to, to get their cohesion, if they aren't like fully engaged in what Emeo Doka is selling, which they still, they seem to be so far, but the, the high end of the expectations, just like everybody else, except Deontay who's being realistic is that four seed that uh, I think is, is up for grabs. I think there is a three seed that might be up for grabs for, for a couple of reasons, but um if if things go really well, that's where the Celtics can be. But if there are any injuries to Tatum or Brown, that certainly hurts them. I think the Celtics are going to be in that mix fighting for home court. And I think most people in Boston will expect the Celtics to be in that 4-5 game when the playoffs come around. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now let's focus on a team that has drastically changed over the last few years, the Chicago Bulls. Let's hear Scal's thoughts on the new pieces around Zach Levine, and then hear from Dan Bernstein from 670 The Score in Chicago on what makes the Bulls an exciting team this year. Let's move on to the Chicago Bulls. Not as bullish as the world is on them. I think they'll be a fun team to watch, but I have them in the play-in tournament. I just feel like they're, they're a bunch of good players but no players that I'm looking at saying, oh, man, watch this guy. He's going to be the one that makes a huge difference. Seven seed, home court, they get in, they win, but they're going to end up being the seven seed in the East. I do like the additions. I like Lonzo Ball and, and DeMar DeRozan, Vucevic, and Zach Levine. Like it's, it's an offensive firepower, but 
Those guys all together now have to learn how to win. I think Vucevic has lost a lot. He's been fine, but not at high level. Uh, DeMar DeRozan has won at a high level. Uh, Alonzo Ball, not yet. And Zach Levine, not yet. So I think these guys will figure it out as the season goes. I really think next year, Chicago Bulls are actually going to be really good. But that's we'll do that for a different day. I think there's no question the Bulls are going to be more exciting this year. If you just look at the moves that they've made and why they're making them, when they did what they did in getting Nikola Vucevic, who is going to be 31 years old, it's clear that regardless of the other teams ahead of him, they made a commitment to win now. They're saying all the right things about Zach Levine and what he means. It sounds like they're going to try to extend him. But when you go out and get Lonzo Ball and you go out and get DeMar DeRozan, and irrespective of position as well, when they say we're going to make this work and we're all basketball players and we're going to play, they may not be a great defensive team. I know it helps to have Alex Caruso, who's a decent individual defensive player. But this is going to be a high-scoring team that's going to play a lot of competitive basketball games. They may be on the cusp of the playoffs, but I think night in and night out, bottom line is they're telling you they are worth watching. That Billy Donovan has been shown to adapt to his circumstances and his personnel. That they are committed to making work the assets that they can find and developing talent in a way that Toronto did it, in a way that they did it in Denver. We're not used to that in Chicago. We're not used to the Bulls committing to that kind of development. And that's why the recovery of Patrick Williams is what matters most here from that severe ankle injury. they got to have him back. He's going to play power forward, it seems, but he appears ready to take that next step, to be one of these out-of-nowhere stars, somebody like a Pascal Siakam, someone who just takes this huge leap, and you realize, goodness, this guy's already an all-star? That's really what we're watching. Kobe White's return, his return, with all these pieces involved and all the new talent, it is shaping up to be a very exciting and watchable Bulls season. All right, now let's get into the next question here. Which two of our teams, there's two of us here that will be in the plan. I mean, Dealante, you already said playing is probably so so let's start with you. We'll give you, since you are the realistic one here, which of these other teams here look at us all and tell us to our face, you're wrong about your team. Oh, I'm sorry. The question is to avoid will avoid the plan. Two, two teams will avoid the plan. I think the two teams who will avoid the plan, looking at it, I would have to go with the Celtics. I think the Celtics roster has yes! been there, done that. I know last season was kind of a rough season for them and for their standards, but I say the Celtics avoid it. And I really like I like the Hawks. I like the Hawks and what they're building. I think they, the Hawks have do. a really good roster. I'm a big fan of Trey Young. I'm a big fan of their roster. I'm a big fan of their coach. I think they I think they avoided too. Hawks and Celtics. Those are my two teams. Interesting. Okay. So let's let's obviously Brooklyn, obviously Milwaukee. There's four more teams in there. Um is is my like in our ultimate playoff preview uh, ultimate preseason preview. Miami is considered one of the contenders. Are we considering Miami a lock? Does everyone agree that Miami's going to avoid the plan? <laughs> Alex, like, nah, nah no, no. not a lock, not no. a lock. Wow. I'm the only one who says yes. They for sure avoid the plan. I must be alone in that one. 
I don't. I, mean, I think it's funny that people are just applauding the hell out of the the Kyle Lowry thing while simultaneously smashing Demar Derozan. Like, yeah, they're both big. Con- Demar's younger than Kyle Lowry. I think Demar last season showed that he has more left in the tank than Kyle Lowry. Like, yes, Jimmy Butler and Bam wow. are no slouches to join up with, but I, I don't. I don't see Miami being that like absolutely lock lock them in as the three seed kind of team. I mm. just show it to me. Show show me first. Are we really willing to lock in the Sixers as a top that's, That was going to be my next question. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the one to me that stands out. I will. Yeah. <laughs> Tony's ready to go. I'll do it. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think, well, so you're presumably not going to have Ben Simmons, or at least not an engaged Ben Simmons. And then you're not going to have – I mean, Joel Embiid, I think you have to bank on missing at least 15 games a year. Mm-hmm. So if you, that team always did well when it was just Simmons, no Embiid. If you don't have – if you don't have, you know, Simmons to pick up the slack when Embiid is out, then what's that team look like in those games? And what's their record going to be in those? Because that could swing. I mean, we saw how close things were from, like, the three through the six or seven seeds last year in the East. I mean, if you go five and ten in 15 games that Joel Embiid is out, that could potentially sink you and make you, like, a four or five seed. I don't know. Uh, maybe I, am I crazy? Like, for thinking that they're if not Simmons alive. comes back and plays, did he get fat before doing so? Did he pull a James Harden? <laughs> we got to figure that out. Because we, you know, we're, we're recording this Monday night after we got those updates, you know, from NBA uh, national reporters, both of whom said we're, we're we're making progress with Ben Simmons. He's gonna come <laughs> back, and that was like three days after Shams had that other video that was like, oh yeah, he emptied out his house. He's gone. So like, what, what's happening? <laughs> Can we can we like confirm if Harden was actually fat or did he have like a pillow under his shirt? He was for fat. That game. He was fat and he got skinny really fast. He, he lost that way like that. that. Like, did he do like like a lot of salt in his diet for like a couple weeks prior or something? I don't I don't yeah. know what. Harden I'd like did to know that. how he did that because I could really use that <laughs> two week cleanse that he did, whatever it was, because he seemed legitimately fat. Maybe he was wearing like a fat suit underneath because he got to Brooklyn. It was like. Damn, you're like 20 pounds lighter. So, um, yeah. So, okay. I, I think if we can say Philly, I don't know that Philly's going to fall past six. And and so that's three. If if we're working under the assumption that Miami is the fourth team, then yeah, there's two two of these teams left. So, um, honestly, you can make a case again for for all of all of these teams. In some regard, uh, hell, even the, the Wizards, who and we're like joking around a little bit about this, but the Wizards' expectations are are I think based on past performance. But you know, look, Washington, if Bradley Beal is is good and engaged, and and all of you know, you get Kuzma and and you get you know Trez and and some of these guys, you know, really work out. If if, if things click, there there's not an inconceivable chance that you can fight for that sixth seed. So, and, and I, I think there's a good chance here that all of these teams can be pretty grouped, like bunched together when, mm-hmm. you know, we, you come out of the all-star break and, and into March and it's a four, a four game difference between fourth and, and seventh. And it, it can be, it can be any one of these teams. Yeah. I yeah, think you're going to see agree, a lot of those but... teams. You know, especially all these teams in this particular panel in that range of low to mid 40s worth of wins 
And like you said, John, not really separate by that many games when you're talking about the fifth seed all the way down to 10th and 11th. Yeah, so yeah. good deal, Auntie. Uh I was going to say, and as far as the Wizards, they can fight for that sixth seed, but if they're going to defend the three-point line like they did against the Knicks in their last preseason game, it's going to be a long season for them. That's all I'll say. Okay, let's let's do this. Let's let's go around and say who which two teams of this group will avoid the plan. Let's start with let's start with Brad. Oh, John, you put me on the spot. No. That's right. Uh <laughs> I have to say the Atlanta professional basketball team will avoid the plan. Now, I'm actually kind of famously not a homer on my show. I get yelled at a lot by that, but I do think the Hawks are going to be in non-play-in territory. The other one's the hard one for me. Uh, with with due respect to John, I'm not as high on Boston as everybody else seems to be. Um, so I think a lot of people will just say Boston and make it – I still might pick Boston, but it's a little bit closer for me. Um, I'm tending to – I almost want to say New York – just kind of stoke the uh, the rivalry that was renewed last season with Trey Young, who cannot walk into MSG anymore without being yelled at. Uh, my, my gut, my gut says Boston. I'll, I'll say I'll cop out and say Boston. It's fine to cop out, Delonte. So what, you you've already made your choice, Alex. Uh, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna say what Brad's brain and not his heart was saying, and say the Hawks <laughs> and the Knicks. Uh, there we go. I think. I, I, I mean, I, I, if I haven't made it clear enough, I think the Knicks are being a little overlooked uh, going into the season. I really think the Kemba and Fournier upgrades were, were pretty stark compared to the players that they previously had in those spots. So, um, yeah, I, I think I'm going that direction. I mean, it's I, I guess if I was going to give the my case against the other teams, I mean, I don't really think the Celtics did much to get better. And, you know, they they like were the seven seed last year. I understand, you know, they had issues with guys getting COVID and stuff like that. Um, they also just added Dennis Schroeder and Ennis Cantor and expect that to go well um, with them maybe getting minutes. So I don't know that I think that they're going to do that great. The Bulls, uh, I think are going to be really entertaining, but I think the defense is going to bite them in the butt a number of times, um, even though the offense there is phenomenal. And then the Pacers, I mean, I think if they get healthy, they might contend for the sixth seed. And, you know, if things break exactly right for them, uh, obviously Carlisle's an awesome coach that, like, really squeezes every bit of juice out of any given roster he has. So they scare me a little bit. And then, I mean, I just – I don't know about the Wizards. I just – I don't – I honestly – I I could see it just as, just as likely that they make the sixth seed as if they hit the lotto. I think it would probably be most likely to me that they end up the, the eight or nine – in in that discussion, mm-hmm. you know, and in the play-in. Mm-hmm. So that that's probably where I stand with all that. Matt, Chicago, and who? <laughs> uh, wow. I was going to say, unlike Brad, I think a lot of my listeners rag on me for being a hater of the Bulls. And it's like, hey, I'm, <laughs> I'm just calling it like I see it. And the last four years have been uh, filled with a lot of really ugly stuff. Um, I, I think I'm going to honestly pick the Bulls to be one of the teams that avoids the play-in. I Know that people are concerned about their defense, but I am encouraged. Also, Billy Donovan in his entire NBA tenure, that guy finishes top 10 or close top 10 in, as far as defensive rating in the all 30 NBA teams' rankings. And he did it last season with a Bulls team that I think, yeah, like we had dice for half a year. We lost Thad Young. He was a valuable vet on the defensive end. I think this team is 
longer and more talented defensively than the team that Billy Donovan had finished 12th last season. Did y'all did y'all know he were the first time? Bulls defense 12th last season. And we added quality defensive players, and they're gonna put up 120 points a night easy based on what we've seen from them so far. I will pick the Bulls to avoid the play-in. And I, you know, I am also someone who's not that impressed with what the Celtics did this offseason. I'm not. First year head Shame. coach, you know, how's that gonna work? I, you know, I, obviously Tatum and Brown are an amazing duo, but will it be enough? And are they both going to be healthy for the majority of a season? That that's a big problem to me. So as much as I think that their trip to the Eastern conference finals last year was a little fluky of these teams, I'm taking the bulls and I'm taking the Atlanta Hawks. Ooh. All right. Let's, let's take, let's take it home. Tony East. Uh, yeah. I'm the one who is uh, all in on the Sixers and heat being locks to make the playoffs. And that's because I'm very star driven and that's kind of reductive, but in how I view teams and their, ability to make a high seed and reach the playoffs. And so that's why my two teams are the Celtics and the Hawks, because I think Trey Young and Jason Tatum are the best two players of all the six teams in this group. And unlike most people in here, I'm a little higher on the Celtics, both because uh, the Schroeder edition is pretty good because Kemba was frankly not that awesome for the Celtics last year. I think Schroeder could be almost better <laughs> than he was for the Celtics last year. Uh, they got some depth pieces that they needed. Uh, so I think they'll be a lot better not dealing with as many injuries and COVID situations. And again, Jason Tatum is absolutely ridiculously good. And I think the Celtics can be a third because of that. And then Trey Young is amazing. So those are my two uh, of the six teams. Smart man. <laughs> I consider the Knicks very heavily. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Boston Celtics, I'm bullish on them. Obviously, you guys know I'm a Celtic guy. But I like the depth of this team. And I like how this team, like everyone goes out there. There's two types of ways that you earn minutes. Some guys are just ultra competitive. They're going to get their minutes no matter what. And there's a few guys on the Celtics like that. But Coach M.A. Udoka, he has options. If you're not bringing a high level, if you're not, if you, there's no guarantees that you're going to play what is considered your standard minutes for the Boston Celtics outside of Jason Tatum. Maybe even Jalen Brown, in a way, has to earn a little bit. Not a lot, but a little bit has to earn his minutes. And when you have that internal fight for guys wanting more, which that's exactly what the Celtic team, they have a bunch of NBA players and guys who have been successful and guys who want more out of this. Dennis Schroeder, for example, Josh Richardson. So these guys are going to be out there trying to perform at a high level. And usually, they're also associated with winning. So I like the Celtic team so far. They don't have a lot of guys on the bench who are unproven. Even I consider Peyton Pritchard a proven 
and he's going to be fighting for minutes. So I think it's a good thing having the depth that they have. And there's going to be guys that are going to be upset and they're going to have to deal with it. And I think that the environment surrounding M.A. Udoka is you go out there and you fight for it and you work for it. And eventually you'll get your chance and then you got to perform. So Celtics, I can see them as a fourth seed. They could even fall into a fifth seed. But I think a successful season would be get out of that first round and maybe end up losing in a competitive series to Brooklyn or Milwaukee. All right, let's wrap this sucker up here with the biggest question mark for your team. We all have plenty of them. So let's start with the Hawks. And, you know, here's a team, like we said, Eastern Conference finalists, but a ton of questions there, Brad. What's the biggest one? Yeah, like you said, everybody has lots of these. And I could give you Cam Reddish. I could give you health. I think the biggest question, like overarching, is how real was their run? I mean, everyone has sort of asked that indirectly, but if you're just going to get down to brass tacks, that's kind of what this is about. In the first half of the season, they were average uh, or even below average as a team, and that was a different coaching staff. Uh, There were some injuries along the way, but then they suddenly got red hot and made their playoff run, and uh, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. I would say it's closer to the second half of the season in their playoff run, but this is a different year. It's a it's a fresh start with a new head coach that was here at the end of last season, but they have to now prove themselves. You know, there's everyone's been saying it's been a theme of all the way through training camp is they know they're going to be the hunted now rather than the hunters. But it's one it's one thing to say that, and it's another thing to actually have to live that with a young team for the first time. So I think that's it's it's definitely a broad question, but it's also really the one that I have in my head all the time is like how real was last season's push. And I tend towards real, but they have to prove it now. Let me, let me quickly follow up here. One question I have about the Hawks. How do you think Trey young handles the new rules emphasis? He's one of the biggest guys that seems to be affected. And how much does that play into that? I think it's going to be a little bit overblown, honestly. Like I, I think he's, he's so smart that he'll adjust he might have a couple of highlight worthy moments, like some, some videos that make the rounds early in the year where he, he does a move that he used to get a foul call on and doesn't get it anymore. But I think by January, by December, you're going to stop hearing about it. I mean, he, he's still going to draw fouls. He was able to draw fouls in college when the rules are very different. When he had Scott high freedom numbers in college. And I think he's just going to be so crafty and he'll figure it out. It's going to be a talking point at the beginning of the season. And all of those stories about the rule changes, like James Harden and Trey Young are the two guys <laughs> that everybody right. always talks about. But I do think that it, it will probably be a talking point, but then eventually he'll still, he'll, still, he'll still be going to the line all the time. He'll still be annoying the opposition. He'll just figure out something new. All right, cool. Let, let's do this by, by record from last season. So Hawks and Knicks were tied. Let's go to the New York Knicks. What's the biggest question, Alex, about the Knicks? Uh, I think it's health. I mean, I know that's cliche. Um, a lot of people say health, but I mean, Kemba Walker, you know, obviously big story with, you know, his, which John, you know, all about the, the mm-hmm. arthritic knee, you know, you specifically told, you know, me and, and my co-host Gavin on our podcast when the Knicks signed Kemba, like that part of why Kemba was so uh, beleaguered by injuries last year was that he came back from that knee injury or rather the knee procedure he had had done in the off season earlier than he expected because like he wasn't expecting the season to start as quickly as it did, mm-hmm. which who, who really did. Um, so there's that to worry about. There's, uh, Derek Rose obviously isn't getting any younger and neither are his knees. Uh, so that's your top two point guards, you know, both have knee concerns. Uh, if can Julius Randle and RJ Barrett play 81 out of 82 games and 82 out of 82 games, you know, which they played 71 out of 72 and 72 out of 72 respectively last year. 
you know, that's a that's a story. But I think the biggest and maybe the one the part that's being the most overlooked, thanks to the fact that this position stayed exactly the same from last year, but is the health of the center spot for the Knicks. Um, Mitchell Robinson, I think, is a really underrated part of the team that makes them a lot better than they were in the playoffs last year if he's healthy uh, because he wasn't healthy for the playoffs, obviously. And, you know, Mitch is a much better matchup for a guy like a Clint Capella than a Nerlens Noel is. So if his recovery from his broken foot doesn't go well and he ends up, you know, really hampered by injuries all season, that's going to be a big blow to the Knicks. Um, then, of course, you have Nerlens Noel, who's not very – he's pretty lithe, uh, more likely to be injured potentially. Obviously, though, he did a pretty good job of gutting through a lot of minor injuries last year. And then Taj Gibson is like 50 years old. Um, and seems to only <laughs> be getting younger, like he's but... 25, though. Taj, my yeah, guy. I mean, he, I think he's like Benjamin Button or he's on HGH. I, I haven't been able to figure it out yet. Um, but he keeps both? getting better. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's, I think, the main Knicks concern, though, is injuries. Let me, let me, let me quickly follow up. Mm-hmm. Julius Randle had the best season of his career. Uh, out of nowhere, shot 41% from three, has an all-NBA season. Can he duplicate that, or do you think that was a one-off? I think he can because things are going to be a lot easier for him this year. You know, I think that's being sort of glossed over a little bit is the fact that he went from having to do pretty much everything for the Knicks last year. Like, we've seen it just in two preseason games. It's so apparent how much less he has to do now on mm-hmm. offense. I mean, last year we used this analogy. And I mean, I know it sounds ridiculous because of the company to put him in, but as far as role, it wasn't far off. He was basically their LeBron last year. You know, he was bringing the ball down the court. He was creating almost all their offense. If things broke down, he had to figure it out himself. Mm-hmm. So it reminded you a lot of LeBron on some of those like Cavs teams where it was kind of LeBron versus the world. And that was how it was for Julius a lot last year. I think this year by adding Fournier and Kemba, two guys that can handle the ball, that can, um, you know, put it on the floor and and get by somebody, which Reggie Bullock couldn't do. Alfred Payton couldn't do effectively. Alfred Payton could shoot at all. Uh, so he was always a negative if he was in the corner, which allowed guys to shade on to Julius in the paint and stuff like that. Um, we've already seen Randall running pick and rolls, pick and pops with Kemba, which he barely ever was the roll man or the pop man last year. And that's going to give him so many easy looks. I mean, he had one in the first preseason game that he – airballed because I don't think he knew what to do because it was so open. Um, he's so used to contested stepbacks and stuff at this point. They didn't even know what to do with it. So I, I think, yeah, I, you know, maybe his percentages take a small step back. Like maybe he shoots 39% from three this year or something like that. But in a nutshell, I think his production is going to be basically the same. And I think he'll be able to replicate it pretty easily. All right, next up in the standings from last season is the Boston Celtics. So the biggest question for the Boston Celtics, I think, is going to be about their offense. I think their defense has the potential to be a top-five defense. They've got some really tough defenders. Emil Doka is a defensive-minded guy. I think they're going to be fine on the defensive end. Offensively is going to be the biggest question mark. And that's going to depend on Tatum and Brown moving the ball, getting it popping, getting a ton of assists. But not just getting a ton of assists, you know, just just getting that ball moving and getting the ball back. I think one of the best ways to create some space for yourself on offense is actually to give up the ball and then move once the, once a defender instinctively moves his head, and then just get yourself into a position to catch the pass when it swings back around or cut and you know a give and go situation. So if the Celtics can get that ball moving, I think they can cover up 
some of the shooting deficiencies that they have. You know, you got Josh Richardson, who's not much of a shooter. Uh, Marcus Smart, who has, you know, his his own shooting history. Dennis Schroeder is about the same. Juancho Hernan Gomez, who they brought in, who is kind of up and down. So um, I think there's a uh, a real shooting deficiency on the team. But if they can get the ball moving, they can get some other shooters on the floor spacing. Al Horford's going to have a big impact on that. So the offense is the biggest question mark for the Celtics. And if they can get that ball moving. And Marcus Smart, as the full-time point guard, if he can control that offense, then I think the Celtics can be a that they can reach that full potential. Like I said, top five defense I think is is very gettable for the Celtics. Can they get into that top ten offense that will make them a real dangerous team? And that's going to hinge. You know, if, if Jason Tatum is is all of a sudden in a first team All NBA discussion, then he's an MVP candidate. That changes the the calculus a lot for the Celtics. So that's my number one question. Uh, next on this, uh, the Washington wizards and the Pacers were tied. So let's go to the wizards and get the biggest question there for the wizards. I would say the basic biggest question for the wizards would be, I'm a hark on it all the time is their defense, specifically their three point defense. We have seen it against the Knicks. It's bad. Uh, the Knicks, I think finished with 46% specifically in their last game. And the wizards have a history of being poor defending the three, the wizards can score. We've seen the Wizards have 120-point games, 130-point games, and they lose because the other team is scoring 140 points. The Wizards just have to get better defensively. I know they can score the ball. I'm not really worried about their offense, especially with Bradley Bill on the team. I'm never really too worried about their offense. But defensively, you got a guy starting in Daniel Gafford who I constantly have had to speak about him making sure the fouls stay down because he'll be in the second quarter and he'll hit his third foul and he's the starting center. So you got to worry about fouling. You got to keep the fouls down and just it's so many teams that come in and catch fire from three against the Washington wizards. And a lot of that is the wizards leaving them open, especially when it works. I mean, they hit the pick and roll. I, I assume it's their defensive scheme, but a lot of the times their corner corner guys are open for three and when you give guys open looks, it's like practice. And that just carries over to other guys. And it happened with the Knicks last time in the last preseason game. And they caught fire and they just couldn't miss. And the Wizards had a lot to do with that. So I would say they got to make sure their three-point defense is respectable at least. Quickly, does Bradley Beal finish the season with the Wizards? Yes. All right. We'll see about that. All right. And then finally – the team hoping to make the biggest turnaround here from last year, the 31 and 41 Chicago Bulls, hoping at the very least to flip that around, maybe more. Matt, what's your biggest question? Did we skip the Pacers? No. Oh, I'm sorry. We did skip the Pacers. <laughs> that like, I would have loved to good. pretend that the Bulls finished better than they did last year, but <laughs> you can all call your teams overlooked all you want. I literally just got overlooked. You did. Right you, totally now. did. you totally did. All right. <laughs> That's. We're going to leave that in, too, because I think that's that's a perfect kind of way this season might go. All right, let's go with the Pacers, who were tied with the Wizards last year. Yeah, there's two big questions for the Pacers. One is the same question I've been asking for five years about the Pacers, and the other one is sort of similar to the Knicks, but in a different way. I'll start with that one, right? For the Knicks, as Alex just detailed, health is a big question for them. They were pretty healthy last year. 
So their question is, can their healthy guys be healthy again? And that would help them be, you know, one of the two teams that avoids the plan in this group. And for the Pacers, it's the opposite question, right? So many guys missed a ton of time last year. Karis LeVert, TJ Warren, Malcolm Brogdon, both starting centers missed 10 or more games. All their starters missed a ton of time. They only had four games with all five starters. I think they had less than 20 games with three of their five starters together. It was absolutely ridiculous how unhealthy they were last year. So one question for them is, can they be healthier? And if so, how much does that help them having actual talented players playing at the same time? TJ Warren's already hurt or still hurt, I suppose, is more accurate for him, although it's a little it's, you know, it's a setback from the same injury. Karis LeVert's already hurt. Justin Holiday just got hurt. It's the most Pacers thing ever. Just keep stacking because guys get into bigger roles and get hurt. So health is a big question for them. Can they get healthier? Finally, the last time they were really good and made noise in the first round, 2017-18, was their healthiest season of the last half decade. And the other question that I said has been a question for the Pacers for the last five years. Can Rick Carlisle get Sabonis and Turner to work together? Starting two centers in a league that's trending smaller has not worked for the Pacers for the last three years. But dang it, this is the year, everybody. I don't actually <laughs> think that. I don't know if this will be the year or not. But they're going to try and see if Rick Carlisle can be creative in a way that gets them both to work a little more, mix in some more lobs for Miles Turner, makes Sabonis a little more of a threat spacing. Can they work together better defensively? That's where they've lacked synergy. In the past, that's a big question for them. If those two can be a really good fitting duo, even against high-level teams, then the Pacers will be better than they were last year. So those are the two biggest questions for this team that really needs a jolt. All right, Matt, I already did your intro. Talk. <laughs> All right. I, I'm not going to say the Bulls' defense because that's boring and, as I already explained, misguided. To me, it will come down to how big of the world jump can you get? And instead of jumping up on the teams in your division, and the Bulls will benefit from Dixon being bad this season, stack some wins that way. But if you're talking about making a 10 to 15 win jump from the low 30s to the mid 40s, competing for avoiding the play-in, as we discussed, and maybe even home court in the first round with a four seed, you also have to win close games against good opponents. That's something that the Bulls failed to do time and again last season because their late-game execution was piss poor because their options were Zach Levine, save us, and nothing else. Uh, and so you saw teams doubling Zach. You had Zach struggling with turnover issues late in close games. The Bulls actually played a lot of good teams evenly for three and three-third quarters last season, and they would always crumble and lose. Does the arrival of guys like DeMar and Lonzo, who can take that playmaking pressure off of Zach, increase the Bulls' ability to win more close games? Because they were in a lot of close games last season, and they lost darn near 90% of them. That is going to be a big key for me this year. All right. Well, there we are. That's your ultimate preseason preview from the hopefuls, the teams that all hope to be that fourth seed, but only one of us can. So we'll see how it plays out. I want to thank everybody uh, who participated here. Tony from Lockdown Pacers, Matt Peck from Lockdown Bulls, uh, Alex Wolf from Lockdown Knicks, Diamante Daniels from Lockdown Wizards, the new one of the new co-hosts here on the network, and Brad Rowland from Lockdown Hawks. Check out all those podcasts throughout the season. And me, John Corrales from the Lockdown Celtics podcast. Check us all out throughout the year or your favorite Locked On Teams local podcast. We have Locked On podcasts for all of them. Thanks for taking uh, a chance, uh, a minute here to listen to us. Let's get back to the rest of the preview. Like John said, for daily coverage on every NBA team, check out the Locked On Podcast Network wherever you're listening to this podcast 
or on YouTube. Now let's send it back to Brian Scalabrini one more time for his thoughts on the Knicks, Pacers, and Wizards, and then we'll cap it all off with our Locked On Fantasy Basketball host, Josh Lloyd. Let's move on to the Knicks. I do think the Knicks are going to drop off a little bit, even though I like their team so much more. The East is better. Miami's better. Chicago's better. So the Knicks are going to be somewhere around that sixth seed. I don't see them in a, in a playing game, but I, I do like them in the top six. And I think that Tom Thibodeau is going to have this team prepared. And I think that the increased amount of shooting and offensive weapons that they have will help them get over that hump. Tom will get them organized defensively to play. And Kimba Walker, Evan Fournier, Derrick Rose, some of the guys they had, like Julius Randle, Emmanuel quickly taking a bigger step, will prepare them offensively. Indiana Pacers, I'm a little bit down on. If they get Ben Simmons and they don't have to give up much, then yeah. If you're thinking Brogdon and uh, TJ Warren, or maybe even Brogdon and Karis LeVert, who I like but has hurt a lot, I can see them making a little bit of a run. Indiana Pacers in the playing game, and the Washington Wizards, I hate to admit it, the Washington Wizards are going to drop off. I like Tommy Shepard. I like what they're doing over there. I like Brad Beal, but I just don't think they're good enough anymore. I don't think they defend hard enough. So I see the Washington Wizards out, not even in the playing game. And I hope I'm wrong because I really do like their team. Hi, it's Josh Lloyd from the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast here. Just looking at the fantasy values of the teams that we discussed in this show. The Atlanta Hawks, Trey Young, probably a little bit of a disappointment from a fantasy perspective last year, but he's a pretty solid second-round guy. John Collins is like a fourth or fifth-round player, and the Hawks just maintain all of that depth. Um, they were injured a lot last year, so that helped boost the value of guys like Bogdan Bogdanovich when he came back. It helped with Clint Capella's value as well, but if everyone's healthy, it does become a little bit squishy. I don't think Kevin Herter repeats what he did last year. I don't think Bogdanovich remains a 46% shooter. I think they can all push down. I'm not super high on Cam Reddish getting enough minutes to be impactful. And I also don't fully believe that DeAndre Hunter can be the same player that he was before the knee injury. But he is absolutely worth looking at as a late-round flyer. For the Celtics, I think Jason Tatum pushes into the top seven discussion for fantasy. Jalen Brown... Um, yeah, despite his uh, COVID diagnosis, he's a absolutely fine third round pick. I'm really excited to see what Robert Williams can do. If they play him 26 a night, he probably can smash into the top 40 or top 30 for fantasy. And Al Horford, don't count him out. He could easily be a top 100 player this year. He's still really good. He put up great numbers in Oklahoma City. He's going to be not resting like he was last year. Some really good numbers could be coming his way. Um, Marcus Smart, I also think is a little bit undervalued. He will be the starting point guard. I'm not bothering with Josh Richardson or with Dennis Schroeder at this point, um, depending on how their rotation shakes out, of course. For the Knicks, I actually think Julius Randle drops a little bit this season with the addition of Kemba and Ivan Fournier. There's probably a little bit of a drop-off there. I like Nerlens Noel as a late pick. I like Kemba as a late pick as well. He's getting a bit underdrafted. People are really scared about the injuries, rightfully so, but I think he's a good late pick. I think Fournier is a good late pick as well. And I'm also obviously concerned about Mitchell Robinson and his foot and where that sits. For Chicago, trying to figure out Levine and DeRozan and Vooch and Lonzo, how that all fits together is tough. I would imagine that all of those guys take a little bit of a step back in terms of their production from last season, but still second round for Levine and Vooch, you know, fourth or fifth round for DeRozan, Lonzo in that same sort of area. Um, just all of those guys taking just a, a slight step back. Patrick Williams is just not going to touch the ball enough to be a fantasy option, um, would be my guess. And you know, we're not looking at someone like an Alex Caruso or a Kobe White either. 
For the Pacers, I imagine Rick Carlisle slows the pace down a little bit. They were one of the fastest teams in the NBA last year. I worry somewhat about the value of Sabonis and Miles Turner just with the reduction in pace and if Turner loses block numbers or if Carlisle just wants to run something a little bit different. There is concern that maybe things change and Malcolm Brogdon similarly, but the absences of TJ Warren and Karis Levert, we don't know how long Levert or even Warren is going to miss, can boost those guys in the short term. I'd happily take a flyer on Levert if he pushes out to 100, given the back news. TJ Warren, it's really hard for me to trust drafting him at all. And then replacing those guys, you're looking at a Justin Holiday or maybe a Chris Duarte. Holiday's fine, but he's very limited upside. For the Wizards, Spencer Dinwiddie is getting overdrafted because he does have lacking um, areas in many different categories, but points and assists will be great. He's fine as a last round guy. I think we knock Bradley Beal maybe a couple of draft spots if he's going to be subject to harsher COVID protocols due to his unvaccinated status, but he's still fine in a first round sort of scenario. Um, I really like Daniel Gafford, rounds eight and round nine as their starting center who blocks a lot of shots. And then Harold's also getting a little bit underrated, although how that all figures out when Thomas Bryant comes back is anyone's guess. And then the Ford situation's a mess. Rui Hachimura, Kyle Kuzma, Davis Bertans, Denny Avdia, Kentavious Caldwell-Pope. I think they're all just going to cut into everyone's minutes and not make really any of them worth drafting for fantasy for this upcoming season. Thank you for everyone that has listened to the Ultimate NBA Season Preview Podcast this year. I'm Nick Engstead, and for everyone here at Odyssey and the Locked On Podcast Network, enjoy the season. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.